The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving and probably like all of us may have eaten a little bit too much, but hey, once a year, right? At least that's what we tell ourselves. Well, I am really, really excited about our show today because two of our guests are people that I actually asked to come back on. And our first guest today is, I don't know how to describe this young man. He's awesome. He's a dynamo. He's like the son that everyone would want to have. He is a civil rights missionary. He is all about social justice. He is a leader who serves. He is a blessing in my life. Welcome to the show, Daniel Budzinski. Thank you so much, Joyce. Really good to be back. Oh, it's great to have you back. Um, And hey, let's start with you telling everyone about Compassionate Touch because you are now a speaker, you're an innovator in international humanitarian intervention. You go around the world and you try to make change by showing the community how to make change. But what exactly is Compassionate Touch for our listeners that aren't familiar with you? Yeah, Joyce, uh, back in 2010, I founded and started the nonprofit organization, Compassionate Touch. And it's basically an international humanitarian missions organization. Um, We travel the world, all different countries, and basically meeting the needs of people who are helpless and can't help themselves. So we've done anything from feeding campaigns of feeding thousands of people to building fresh water wells to working with government officials, government leaders, church leaders, business leaders of the community. Um, We've hosted citywide uh, events where we've had over 25,000 people just come to one night where we're gathering the city for transformation, for shifting the city into a new place. We've seen it, Joyce, where Compassionate Touch has gone into a city, established um, the culture of our organization in the other locals, and we've seen crime rates decrease. We've seen city officials, their entire lives changed. I mean, we have seen some really wild things happen as we've kind of implemented who we are in our hearts into the hearts of local leaders. You know, that's, that's who Compassionate Touch is, is we desire to establish long-term relationship with locals and basically empower them to initiate and sustain transformation and healthy change in their cities and in their lives. Wow. And, you know, let me just tell everyone up front that I believe in this so much that I am a partner, by that I mean I am totally immersed into this uh, project, this not-for-profit organization, this mission 
that Daniel has started that is just so wonderful. As a matter of fact, I will be launching a video that I made with Daniel, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But I want to start right now. You know, this is the holiday season, and this is the time that we think about giving back and helping people that are, you know, not as fortunate as we are. Uh, And I always tell people, remember, it could always be you. It could always have been you. So, Daniel, if someone listening to the show would want to make a contribution, how, how do they do that? Well, I don't know if you know this today, Joyce, is Giving Tuesday. So you have Black Friday, then you have Cyber Monday, and today is officially Giving Tuesday. So I think it's convenient since most people um, want to give today. So if you want to be a part of what we're going to be talking about today with Rescue.me, which is a division of Compassionate Touch, they can go to Rescue.me, www.rescue.me, and they can make a donation online right there. Rescue.me. And, oh, that's so great, Giving Tuesday. I love that. No, I must tell you, I did not know that. But now that I do, okay, everyone, this is the day. How unbelievable that Daniel would be on today. So make that donation. Remember, you're going to change lives, as you will hear in a moment. I am very supportive uh, of rescue.me. As a matter of fact, I carry my business card with me everywhere I go because I am so fortunate to be one of the carriers uh, of this wonderful program. So, Daniel, what is rescue.me for our listeners? Yeah, so with Compassionate Touch, which is the covering organization, there's several divisions of who we are. So we are an international humanitarian organization, but like any humanitarian organization, we do many things. So one of the divisions is our rescue division. And under this rescue division, Joyce, it's one of our most remarkable divisions of Compassionate Touch. It's our rescue initiative, and the vision is to answer the call of every woman and child crying out, rescue me. And basically, our passion is to rescue these women caught in sex trafficking who desire to be rescued and then rehabilitate them and teach them a vocational skill that can sustain their lives so they don't have to go back into the sex trafficking industry. And, And I'm not sure if many of the listeners know a lot about the sex trafficked industry. It's so dynamic and it's, it's so difficult when it comes to rescuing women. You have to be careful, Joyce. You can't just steal a woman out of the sex traffic industry because if you're not careful, your helping will hurt them because they might have family members that will get murdered if you steal them. So our strategy and our long-term process that we're committed to in order to see these women sustained and transformed in their lives and families It's very delicate, and you have to go about it very, very strategically And how we're not only reaching these women, but then rescuing them, rehabilitating them, and then safely putting them back into society. Wow. Yeah, and I, you know what, Daniel? I don't think people would even comprehend that this could go on in the United States, but it does. Yeah. And around the world. And am I right, Daniel? This, of course, includes children. Yeah, so this is pretty wild. Um, For all the listeners, this could, I mean, this could really startle you. Not even a week ago, Joyce, I was in Tijuana, Mexico, 
And if you've ever been to Tijuana, Mexico, we brought a team there. We brought about 20 people. We went to the red light district. Now, in the heart of Tijuana, that's where they host the most prostitutes and sex trade victims. You know what, Joyce? The police actually run the sex trafficking. They guard and protect the pimps. And they, they, there was over several hundreds of police driving around, and they run the sex trafficking industry. And that is only 30 minutes from the border of America. The wild thing is that's happening as well right in our backyard, where these women are, are completely emotionally destroyed. They're taken out of their world, and they're forced to do something that psychologically scars them, possibly for the rest of their lives. Wow. That, that is amazing. That is amazing. Sadly, it's horrible. It's shocking. Um, you know, and, and you know, if you're listening, you know I'm a big, big uh, advocate of stopping this. I know many of you know I'm friends with Kevin Bales. I've had him on several times, uh, the head of Free the Slaves. But you know what? To think that there are countries where this is like a booming industry is yeah. just horrible. I mean, it is so much bigger than people think, and, sudden, and sadly, it's such a big worldwide business for so many people. But rescue me, save me, rescue a child. What more powerful thing could there be than doing this? Yeah. Uh, RescueMe.org, is that where you go to make the contribution, Daniel? Yep, rescue.me. That's actually the website, www.rescue.me. That's the website to make a donation towards what we're doing right now. Rescue.me. And, and I would encourage everyone listening to the show to remember those Starbucks you drink, the, you know, the things that you buy that we are able to buy on a cash discretionary basis. Yeah. Just take some of that money, make a donation, give back. That is what this holiday season is all about, giving back. And it's even better being that today is Giving Tuesday. So I would encourage everyone listening to this show, think about it. Think about a child in sex trafficking. Think about it. And, you know, if you want to help Daniel work to rescue uh, these children and these women, and sometimes men, rescue.me.org. Is that correct? Um, just rescue.me. That's the entire domain. Rescue. If you literally go into your browser, if you type in rescue.me, it goes right to our rescue initiative website. Okay, rescue.me. That's easy to remember, rescue.me. So while you're listening to the show or when you hang up, you can take a minute to make that donation. That would just be so important. And listen, I have such wonderful listeners. I want to tell many of you those people have epilepsy and other hidden disabilities. Um, and can you imagine what that's like to be put in this situation? People who are deaf all types of disabilities, think about how terrible that is. So take it seriously about making a donation. We are getting ready to go to break, 
and then we'll be right back. If you just joined the show, we're talking to Daniel Budzinski, the founder of Compassionate Touch. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Daniel. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back to the show. We're talking to Daniel Bitsinski, the founder of Compassionate Touch. And, Daniel, we've talked about different parts of Compassionate Touch, but I know you have one initiative that, by the way, I am one of these, uh, One in 1,000. Can you talk about that and also let people know how they can become One in 1,000? Yeah, Joyce, um, one of the campaigns that we launched from Rescue.me is a campaign called One of the 1,000. And when we launched this, it was an initiative and a campaign to help raise support for two things. Number one was the awareness and support of the sex trafficking industry. And the second need was for the fresh water around the world. So it's this concept that you, every listener, every person today, could be one of the 1,000. One of the 1,000 people who say yes and stand beside us, stand behind us, and say, you know what, Daniel, we're going to give $600 one time or $1,250 monthly giving. If you can't give $600 right now, you say, you know what, I can give $50 a month for 12 months. And that's what being one of the 1,000 is. It's, it's actually being an advocate for our vision, Joyce, that everywhere you go, everyone you talk to, your family, your friends, your social media, you have a passion to help people. And you're like, you know what? I can be a part of the One of the 1,000 campaign. I want to make a difference. If that's you, it's as easy as saying, I'm going to give a one-time donation of $600 or $50 a month for 12 months. And you then will be One in 1,000. So how do they do that, Daniel? Joyce, it's as easy as going to the website, www.rescue.me, and in the top right corner, you can choose either one time or give monthly. It's so simple, yet without people supporting us, we cannot continue to do what we're doing on the field. And you know what? It's like what you said, Joyce. It's 
two cups of coffee a week. It's at less than a dollar sixty-two per day. And also, Joyce, when they go to rescue.me, when you go to the website www.rescue.me, you can actually view and see Joyce's web, uh, Joyce's video that we made together. Me and Joyce made a video together, and I would love for your listeners to be able to watch your video as well and be inspired through that. Oh, yes, please go see that. And may I also say you'll be seeing it on my site, but you'll be seeing it throughout social media. You'll be seeing it everywhere. But if you go right now, you're going to understand why this is so important to me and to everyone. I want to challenge you. I want to tell you that I have myself set up that I'm going to be working to get as many people in 2015 as possible to be one in 1,000. What is that a day? A dollar what a day? A dollar 62. Okay. How many of you get a Starbucks every day? Or more than one? This really isn't that much, especially when you think it's a person's life that you're working to help. You should be one in 1,000. You know why? Because in this life, you want to be remembered not for what you've been given, but what you've given back. Not what you have, but what you've given to others. You know how everyone says to me, oh, Joyce, I love what you're doing helping people with disabilities. I wish I could do something to make a difference. Well, here you go. Here's your way to make a difference. You know, you've got to be willing to part with a few dollars but how else can we change the world, right? We can't do it without resources. So, Daniel, this is so powerful. How many people, Daniel, are part of human trafficking? Joyce, there's some pretty staggering statistics surrounding the human trafficking industry. Right now, human trafficking is the fastest-growing illegal industry as well as one of the largest illegal industries on the planet, higher than drugs, higher than all of the things that are happening right now. There's over 20.9 million adults and children who are bought and sold worldwide into sexual servitude. 20.9 million. That's just mind-boggling. And and out of all of the, the men and women and children, boys and girls, women and children make up about 98% of sex trafficked victims. 98%, Joyce. Out of that 20.9 million, 20,900,000, of them are women and children. Out of that, about 2 million of all of those are children who are exploited each year for sex trade. And I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. The amount of corruption surrounding human rights of sex trafficked victims and injustice, social injustice, in a lot of these places in Asia, um, it's part of the culture. You know, if you are sold or, 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 or bought into this, it's, it's karma. It's what you deserve. You're not supposed to try to get out of it. It's your social status. And, you know, I know a lot of people right now listening, Joyce, are thinking, this is, this is what they're thinking. These numbers, how, how can we change this, right? Sometimes these numbers will move you. Sometimes the numbers will discourage you, and even sometimes they make you think that we can't actually change it. But Joyce, every great reformer that has changed the tide and course of human history had a dream and had a vision to see freedom for the underprivileged. 
every great reformer. And it's not just hopeful, it's realistic to make a big difference in this industry. You can make a difference. We can make a difference. It's just like you said, people all the time, how can I make a difference? You know, there's nothing in life that's worthwhile that's not worth sacrifice. Everything that's worthwhile in my life has cost some of the greatest sacrifices. Can you, can you agree with that? Oh, even today. I'm in Delaware today because I, on a volunteer basis, teach the Vendor Leadership Academy to high school students with disabilities, many underprivileged, uh, disadvantaged, uh, you know, horrible situations they live in. And you know what? When I teach that class, people always ask me, well, you know, how do you have time to do this? Why do you do this? Why? It's so rewarding to me. It is. It's rewarding to me. And I'm telling you, if you know that you're helping, that you are one in 1,000, that you're making a difference, that's how you will feel. You know, not to go into detail, but I'm telling you, uh, those children and women, you can't imagine what they go through in one day with so many people. I mean, yeah. it's horrifying. It is horrifying. And just knowing that and thinking about those children and women, I mean, why would you not want to do something? Why would you not want to help do something? Make that donation. Go to rescue.me. Make that donation today. Remember you're helping change lives. And, Daniel, I wanted to ask you, what else could our listeners do to help you? And how could they also spread this news to everyone else? You know what, Joyce? I do want to mention as well that the, the position of our organization right now, too, is to us it's not just clicking the link and donating. That's just the first step. You know, if you want to donate and that's it, that's great. But our organization is in a position right now where when you donate, we get your name and your number. We want to contact you. We want to keep you updated. We want to let you know what's happening. We want to feed you with information that you could send out to others. You know, I really believe that most people, they don't just want to give and be detached from what's happening. We can really include them in what we're doing right now. That's the heartbeat of our organization is to really pull people in, not just their finances, but their hearts. And so what people can do, I know a lot of listeners right now, when you listen to this type of stuff, I mean, it inspires you. It changes the way you live your life. We brought those 20 people to Mexico. They saw the red light district. They got to meet with the women. The women were crying, the prostitutes. We were able to give them little care packages. I mean, when you begin to participate in this type of work, it will change the way you live. And the people that are inspired right now, they're saying, well, how can I make a difference with Rescue.me? You know, you're hearing about all this, you know, changing the world. And, and, and this is what I've realized, Joyce. Every person listening has an insatiable desire to be different and to be the change. And so I strongly encourage every person listening, if just one person would say, you know what, I'm doing it right now. Giving Tuesday, I'm going to be one of the 1,000. I'm going to be a member. That's one way. Another way is you can tell your family members about it. You can you know, call your brothers and sisters and your mother. You can make a video yourself and encouraging other people to go to rescue.me and learn how they can be the difference. You can put that on Instagram, on Twitter, on social media. Somebody is going to be inspired and somebody is going to give and empower us to be on the field. And there are so many ways, Joyce, 
so many ways that they can help. Um, I would really encourage every listener, go to the website just to be there, just to look and see and watch some of the videos. The videos will move you. You can repost the links to those uh, web pages. You can repost those links to your social media, the videos. Those are some of the ways that if it's not financial, it's a transaction to really bring awareness to what's happening around the world. Yeah, and how powerful is that? How powerful is that? I want to remind you again, and I I really am serious about this, this holiday season, you always take time to give back. You should take time to give back to the least of these. Remember, it could have been you, your family. You know, it isn't, which we're so thankful, but... Thankful means giving back. Daniel, I want to thank you so much for being with us again. Um, I just think you are wonderful. Um, I, I just pray all of God's blessings on you and what you're doing. And we will continue to be supportive and we will continue to talk about that one in 1,000 until we really see momentum. Thank you so much, Joyce. I appreciate everything that you guys have done. And honestly, just as some closing comments, I would just like to say, you know, the most, that most people want to make a difference. Most people want to be significant. And like I said before, the most rewarding moments in life are the moments of sacrifice where we make a choice. So thank you to all the listeners. Looking forward to being on soon. All right. And listen, have a wonderful Christmas and... Soon, a new child in your life. So we will be excited to hear about that also. Thank you so much, Joyce. Keep up the good work. Thank you. What a great young man is he. Wow. He is so awesome. Well, hey, we're going to go to break, and then we'll be right back with our next guest that we've had on before and that we are bringing back on again, Donna Hill. So excited to have her on again. But right now we're going to go to break. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Donna Hill. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. 
At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S., and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Welcome back, and I'm so excited today that we, I actually ask our next guest to also come back and be on the show toward the end of the year. I just love her and enjoyed having her on before. Um, an author that I think is awesome, Donna Hill, uh, who wrote The Heart of Apple Butter Hill. And she agreed to be back, and we're so glad she's back. Donna, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, Joyce. Thank you for having me back. And hi, everybody. It's, it's great to be back with you. Yes. Well, Donna, for those that weren't on or heard you on before, how about if you tell our listeners about The Heart of Apple Butter Hill? The Heart of Apple Butter Hill is my first novel. It is an adventure mystery with excursions into fantasy. It's written for um, general audiences, I would say middle school and up um, is the audience. And it uh, features several characters who have disabilities. It's centered around a school, and most of the, the main characters are high school age kids. Uh, and they have adventures, and they discover a plot to steal something valuable from the school, and they have to figure out who they can trust and what they should do. And in the meantime, of course, they have to go to school, and you see them in their classes, and you see what goes on between students. There's some bullying in the book. and um, uh, But basically, it's, a, it's an exciting adventure story that features some kids with disabilities and actually an adult with a disability, too. So, Wow, isn't that great also for young people with disabilities? I have to tell you um, that I'm here in Delaware today uh, teaching the Bender Leadership Academy, which I've been doing this on a volunteer basis for 15 years in Delaware and in Pittsburgh. But what it is is high school students with disabilities come for a day um, from 9 to 1 o'clock, and the whole purpose is teaching them about uh, leadership, how to get a job, and how to fight bullying. And so this is the first class. There's four altogether, but they're spread out over several months because there is homework in between. And actually, before they even meet me, they have their first homework assignment, which is they have to stand up and give a two-minute speech on what it takes to be a good employee. So 
you know, I have to tell some of them as they're shaking, as they have to end the speech, that, see, you didn't die. You made it. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it's just so wonderful. But the next question I'm going to ask you about really relates to this class. Um, I ask them, Donna, if you have been bullied, raise your hand. Now, there were 25 students. 25 raised their hand. Yes. And they told me horrible stories, horrible. You're a freak, you're ugly, you're stupid, you're weird, uh, terrible things on Facebook, uh, not including them, doing things to take advantage of them. Uh, I, I mean, I could go on forever because one young woman had Asperger's syndrome and one young man cerebral palsy, you know, various disabilities, and it's just unbelievable how no matter where I teach a class, that it isn't like one or two people that raise their right. hand. It's this entire class. Yep. Um, and I even, you know, mention you uh, because I know that you deal with this in your book um, because children with disabilities are the most brutally bullied. How, how do you deal with that in your book, Donna? Well, uh, Joyce, uh, it was important for me to do a couple of things in the book. One was to show a, ver- a variety of kinds of bullying that were going on essentially simultaneously. It's a school. You have this, that, and the other thing all going on at the same time, kind of. So there's girl-on-girl bullying. There's boy-on-boy bullying. There's kind of a group-on-one bullying um, so there's a, ver- a variety of types of bullying that go on. There, some of it uh, does get physical. Um, and the other thing I wanted to show was the way communities deal with what's going on around them, uh, the ones that ignore it, the ones that try to reach out, but they haven't got a clue how to reach out, and, and, and they come to, you know, no success with it. And so... Th- there's a lot of those different things happening in the book at the same time, uh, how a community deals with bullying and how people, how the kids, how, the, how other kids try to help or, or try not to help or, you know, however they choose to deal with it. So that is a, a subtext of what is going on uh, in, uh, I mean, I, I wanted the book to be an exciting adventure where people with disabilities and I'm blind, um, so I never read a book when I was a kid about a, a blind kid going into a cave or a castle or <laughs> anything like that, you know. Uh, so I wanted blind uh, people and, and people with other disabilities to be able to see themselves in an exciting adventure that was not primarily focused on their disability, that just where the disability is not ignored, um, but it's not emphasized either. So they're I'm trying to present them as as yeah, actual humans that they actually are, and give them this opportunity to have this uh, to see themselves in this adventure. And meanwhile, there are things to say about what really does go on uh, in in life, and that has a lot to do with the bullying. Right, and Donna, um, you yourself have a great understanding because of your own personal experiences. Is that right? Uh, I was bullied from the time I got to the bus station my first day of first grade until I got out of high school. Um, It it stopped there in terms of the overt 
sort of student bullying, but bullying goes on throughout life. People do it to each other in different ways as they go grow older. You, you're probably not going to see a 50-year-old standing around going, nye, 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 you can't see. You know, but that's what you'll see in kindergarten, perhaps. But, but the, the, the way people bully changes over time, but it, it never it doesn't go away because it's such an integral part of our society. It's People are not nice to each other a lot of the time. Yeah, and so it isn't hard for you to believe that some of these kids also are bullied throughout most of their their it's, life, and I want to tell you... It's not at all hard for me to believe. What, what I find astounding is that it's so hard for other people to believe, including people who are involved in bullying... Uh, initiatives who are not cognizant of people with disabilities. They can't, it's like, you're kidding me, right? I mean, you're you're kidding me. Nobody bullies a disabled kid, right? Uh, It's like, hello? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Um, you're right. Go find me one that wasn't bullied, okay? (laughs) But, But you know what? It's even worse. And here's the worst part. When I asked this one young man today, well, why do you think, people bully you the way you said they do. He said, well, because they know, okay, take advantage of someone weak. And I said, all right, get that idea out of your head right now. You aren't weak. People with disabilities aren't weak. That is part of the bullying to make you think that to begin with. Well, that's the whole point of bullying is is to take an idea that you have about who another person is or what their capabilities are, what their potential is, and take your idea and impose it upon them so that they believe it about themselves. That's the point. That's what they're trying to do. Uh, It it all stems from competition. Um, I mean, we're, we're a competitive race. We compete for slots in schools and jobs and promotions. We, in, in poor countries, people compete for food. They compete, we compete for romance. We're always competing. And if you can knock somebody out of the competition by making them believe that they don't deserve to be there, that they don't have anything of value to contribute, then, I mean, I, I really feel that that's, it, I think I said before, it's, it's done to keep people in their place. And that place that you're being asked to be stay in is not your design. It's their impression of you. It's not who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, um, if you're listening to this show and you're thinking, well, could it be that serious? As you heard me say earlier, of course, I'm headquartered in Pittsburgh, so I teach several of these vendor leadership academies in Pittsburgh, and one is for the Pittsburgh Public School District, and Highmark, Blue Cross Blue Shield, is kind enough that just like here in Delaware, I'm at Computer Sciences Corporation at their data center, and in Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Public School District goes to um, Highmark, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and the two other companies, uh, Lanxis and Bear Material Science, also host me teaching these students. So when I went to the Pittsburgh Public School District at Highmark for my first class, there was one seat empty. Mm -hmm. And they had to tell me the reason the seat was empty is that this young man was made fun of and bullied at school so much. And they said the worst part is if you meet him, you won't be able to understand why in the world, you know, would they do this? He's the nicest young man so nice to everyone, 
he has a learning disability, and that's where the bullying came from. The reason he wasn't there is that he had jumped out the fourth floor window of the school. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. Did he die? No. He did not? He did not die, but he just pulverized his pelvis. I mean, he, he is, this is going to be a very long, long, long recovery. Right. And there could be many complications. Well, it, it is a very, very, very painful thing that happens. And to me, you know, when we talk about people with disabilities and children, I mean, we all have things, we have, tools we have to get for our toolbox. You have to learn how to negotiate with a wheelchair. You have to learn, you know, how to, to do sign language or read Braille or whatever. Those skills, they are so... They pale to me, the, 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 uh, the, the skill that it takes to, to, to really get on board with those kinds of things pales in comparison to what it takes to really be able to deal with the bullying, with the social side of having a disability. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I often tell people, and I stopped telling them because I, I didn't like their response, I used to tell them that the worst thing about being blind was that was... Uh, the, the reactions of the general public. And they kind of gave me this benevolent smile like, oh, isn't that sweet? You know, it's, it's like it's so sweet that it's not really that hard to be blind. You know, and they totally missed the point that, that, that the way society treats you uh, matters so much uh, that, that dealing with it is really the difficult thing. Yeah. No, no question about it. And you have to wonder, where are the teachers when all of this is happening? Oh, I know where some of mine were. I mean, some of them were snickering behind their hands, and you know, some of them would just turn their backs. Some of them would actually participate. I had one in particular that I remember that, that actually used to participate, and she was just horrible. I mean, I just, I just hated her. And, uh, you know, you're, you're in third grade and you suddenly realize that you are capable of hatred for another human being because of the way she was acting, you know, and it was like, wow, you know, but, but that's, that's the way it so often happens is that the, the, these kids don't get these ideas by themselves. Um, they get them from adults. You know, you're not seeing a three-year-old child walking around going, you know, I want to bully this person or that person. They, they, they learn the social hierarchy, who matters, who doesn't matter as much, who doesn't matter at all. Uh, they learn that from the adult world, and it's, it's the adult world that has to get a handle on the problem and, and make changes and... and uh, it's, I don't know. I mean, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing because the, the kids with the disabilities need tools now because you can't say, oh, well, don't worry about it in another year or so. Everybody's going to wake up and, and figure out how wrong all this is and they won't do it anymore. That's not true. Yeah, well, I even hate when people say, listen, when you get out of high school, this will go away. Uh-huh. <laughs> No, it doesn't. It changes, though. 
It, it changes, changes, but it doesn't go away. Yes. Uh, what I mean by uh, that yeah. is to not be hired because you have a disability exactly. is to me a form of bullying. To well, be exactly, and to not be work. accepted in, in, in a social circle, to, yes. for people to discount you as a friend. Uh, you know, it, 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 there's a lot of things, and it becomes less um, obvious to an ex, an outsider, what's going on? But the, the bullying continues, and and it continues in society. I mean, the fact that nobody has to make their websites accessible for blind people, even though the technology is there and it's cheap, um, they don't have to do it. Even the government organizations, which are theoretically bound by law to do it, keep messing it up and having to be told again and again, you know, that, that no, that doesn't work. Um, that's still a form of bullying. It's still a form of saying, you know, this group doesn't matter enough for me to think about them ahead of time when I'm planning my website. So it, it, it's pervasive throughout society. Well, and that is why I am so glad that you included this in your book, and I hope you include something in all of your books, because it is so wonderful for a young person to also be able to read and identify with a person with a disability, you know, in these books. Uh, And, you know, when they are not, A, the bad guy, (laughs) or, (laughs) I, I mean, I'm serious. When you think of literature and you think of, you know, many of the bad people, and even in theater, movies, they frequently all had some type of disability. You know, the Captain Hook, the uh, people, the pirates with the patch over mm-hmm. their eye. You know, and today, it is just always that that serial killer is an escaped from a mental institution. This yes, is the view. The, and, and you know what? They can get away with that. If they made every hero or, excuse me, every villain black or gay or Hispanic, they wouldn't make it out of their house without some kind of protest. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it's, it, it's like that uh, Jose Saramago who, who wrote a book called Blindness in which he portrayed the, a society that was ripped apart by this virus that caused everybody to go blind and the first thing they couldn't do was figure out how to wipe themselves. I mean, if he had made everybody gay or black or some other more powerful minority, he would have never gotten the Nobel Prize. You know, he he was never really called the task for what he did. He was rewarded for it, and and you know it it continues. And and the, like I said, it, it's the most important tool that people need is to to figure out how to deal with this kind of thing as you go through your life. Yes. Well, you know, for those young people that just left here an hour ago, um, and knowing that they have a hero in you for what you're doing, you know, many young people right now are listening to this show um, who are brutally bullied. What message do you have for them, Dawn? Well, I, I would like to be able to spend a long time speaking to it, but the, uh, a couple of very prominent things that you need to know. First of all, no, it isn't fair, okay? Let's just get past that. It isn't fair, but it does happen. The most important thing I would say is do not allow them to define you. Don't allow what they think of you to become what you think of you. Just because they think you have no value, that doesn't mean you don't have value. 
just don't allow them to do whatever you have to do to to make those thoughts and the inclination to believe them go out of your brain and go someplace else in a garbage can. That's what you need to do. Get rid of it. Get on with something else. And the other thing, the other side of the coin that you have to be careful of is to not presume. When you meet a new person, don't presume just because everybody before them bullied you, didn't think you were worth anything, just wanted to push you aside. Don't think that next person is going to. It's very difficult to do when you've been victimized by bullying, but you have to understand that there are people who will not do that. And um, it's sometimes you're going to give somebody a chance and they're going to prove that they weren't worth it. But it's not because you weren't worth it. So uh, those, that's my advice. Don't let them define you and don't presume the next person is going to be exactly the same as the last one. And that is so true. And one of the things that was brought up is that there there was one person that was told, you know, if you don't want people to make fun of you and if you want to be accepted, uh, we want you to do this bad thing, whether it was drugs mm-hmm. or stealing something. So the one person, you know, said, I didn't know what to do. And you know what happened? Not only did he get caught, they turned him, they turned it over to him. Mm-hmm. In other words, they made him the bad guy. Yeah, well, that's, you're on a fool's errand when you take any kind of uh, deal like that. When somebody says, I won't accept you unless you do this, I don't care if they say, I don't accept you unless you wear a, a, a red rag on your head or unless you, you know, get tattoos or unless you do drugs, unless you, unless you anything. If you accept me, you accept me. If you don't accept me, you don't accept me. Who I am is who I am. I'm not doing anything I do to say, okay, I'm going to do this so I get accepted. You're immediately not you anymore. Don't do that. Be yourself and don't let them define who you are and what makes you acceptable. Well, it's very difficult. I know I, for all, especially once you get into your teens, it is so hard. It really mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. But, but please understand, you, you, you actually you may feel alone, but you're not alone. You're not the first person who's gone through this, and you're not the only person going through it now. Um, you don't deserve it, but unfortunately that's the way it is. You have to develop the tools to help yourself deal with it and be the person that you were meant to be, the person you want yourself to be. Well, and I always tell them, if someone tells you to do these things, um, they're, they're, and then I'll, I'll be your friend. Well, no, they're not your friend. They were never your friend. Nobody that tells you to do something illegal, immoral, irresponsible, has the ability to be anybody's friend. Mm-hmm. A person who is a good friend to other people who, you know, I mean, I want to be a good friend to people. I don't, I don't mean that everybody I meet is going to be my friend or that I will see them as my best friend or something. But I want to act in such a way in whatever time we have together that I am being a good friend, a good influence on those people. And if, if a person doesn't start out with that kind of an attitude, they're not going to be able to be much of a good friend to you. And if, certainly if they're asking you to do something that's illegal or immoral or that will hurt you in any way, that's not what friends do. You know, I mean, who wants a friend like that? I mean, that's what I'd tell them. I'd say, geez, 
I have to do drugs to get your acceptance? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, right, <geez>. right. <laughs> what and, kind of friend are you? Right, and and let me. Well, and the person said, or you'll never be popular. You'll never. You'll always be a freak. No one will ever like you. Well, that's again, that's their opinion of you, and they're trying to make you believe it. And the only reason they probably keep harping on it is because they can see you don't. Mm-hmm. Don't give them the satisfaction of believing that crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First of all, nobody, you know, forget disabilities. Nobody is that good of a fortune teller. You're never going to be worth anything. I mean, who comes up with this stuff? That's like a fortune teller telling you they can see down into the future and, and they, they can see everything that could possibly go this way or that way or the other way and they can tell you aren't going to be worth anything. Well, these people should get a job someplace investing their money <laughs> if they really have that great of a vision for the future. Yeah, stock I mean, market or Las Vegas, here they come. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but it, and you know what I told them? That person is disrespecting you. That person is stealing from you. Every day when you get up, you have to say, I am beautiful, I am awesome, and you have to, I know it's hard, but you cannot accept people saying that you're a freak or you're not worth anything. Um, You have to, and you have to get other friends. Uh, These people aren't your friends. They were never your friends. You don't want to be around them. But, right. uh, Donna, I just so love having you on the show, and I'm so glad you were on again. Do you have another novel coming out, Donna? Um, I'm working on a couple of things, but right now uh, I'm really trying to move to another level with the one I have, and uh, until I get there, I, I don't feel like I can put too much time into uh, what I'm doing because I'm doing all of this alone. Um, I, I don't exactly have a marketer or anything like that. So, um, but that, I do have other novels in, kind of in the works. But to be able to really spend the time that's required on them, I, I just I have to move to the next level with the one that I have. Oh yeah, we want to see uh, the characters again from the heart of Apple Butter. Well, Hill. they have a lot more to say. <laughs> Good, that's what we want. We want to hear that. We want to hear what they have to say. So, to me, listen, I actually bought a couple of these books at Amazon for young people that love to read, that are, uh, you know, young teens, because I just think it's so great. Remember, it gives people exposure to people with disabilities, but in addition, it's just a great story. Um, So Mm -hmm. I really think that's a great gift for you to purchase for the holiday season. And Donna, I know I got it at Amazon, so I'm assuming you can get this book it's pretty much a, anywhere. On, in print at Amazon, it's on Kindle, it's if, you're, if you have a Nook or a, a, an iPad or something like that, it's also available on, on, uh, from Nook Press and Barnes and & Noble and iTunes and Sony and Smashwords and any place that you go to get your books. Um, you should be able to find it there. It's called The Heart of Apple Butter Hill, and my name is Donna W. Hill is the way it's listed. My, um, If you want to get the – there's a bunch of links t- to these different pages that sell it directly on my homepage, and that's uh, DonnaWHill.com. Uh, there's a, a, a section, a heading called Purchase the Heart of Apple Butter Hill, and it has the links to Amazon and Nook and Sony and all those things there. Uh, even some of the out-of-the-country links uh, 
as well. So that's, that's the way to Donna, find it. And, and did, I just wanted to say that okay. uh, on Giving Tuesday, which it is today, um, we do support uh, Braille Books for Blind Students. That is my mission is to raise awareness about the issues facing people with disabilities and um, the Braille literacy crisis and accessibility in particular. So uh, it, it is a, a, I'm, I'm not uh, getting any money from the books. It's all getting set aside to have the book Brailled and to be given to blind students. Oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. So they could also find out about this from going to your website. Yes. All right. Well, Donna, thank you so much for being with us today, and I wish you also a wonderful holiday season. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure, Joyce, and thank you so much again for having me back, and I really enjoy, always enjoy talking with you. We get into these uh, uh, exciting discussions. discussions. (laughs) Um, Please have a happy uh, holiday, everyone. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy New Year. Of and it was again. It was great to be back. Okay. Well, you know, we went in every show with a quote of someone making a difference, and today that's going to be Donna W. Hill that said, "Don't allow them to define you." Isn't that the truth? This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at VoiceAmerica.com. Talk to you all next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.